Greetings to all this morning. It's uh, <clears throat> sometimes it's excited, exciting to see the house well filled, and other times there's a beauty of having a small group, and that's exciting too. Brings back a lot of memories when we uh, lived in Tennessee, and there was just a handful of us for many years, and there's some closeness there when there's a small group. <clears throat> was really blessed this morning already with the, uh, especially the opening and the songs and even the children's lesson. But the opening uh, kind of struck a chord with me because I, I recently kind of just started noticing how many times that the word thanks is found in the Bible. Thanks and thankfulness and thanksgiving and, and um, it's amazing. Our Bible... The Christian Bible is full of thanksgiving. Just thanks be to God. Thanks, 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 over and over. The word thanks itself is found 73 times in the King James Version Bible. And most of those times are thanks unto God. I give thanks unto God for you. I, it's just over and over and over. And the, and the Psalms it has a lot of it too. Just uh, just just challenging us to be a thankful people. And uh, actually, uh, for most of this last week, I was planning to preach a Thanksgiving message this morning, just on Thanksgiving, and, and it just didn't seem to come together. And then finally, I, uh, I settled on just preaching out of the book of Colossians this morning. <clears throat> and it just uh, inspired me when... When Brother Leon come up here and we, we launched into a chapter full of thanksgiving for God's mercy endures forever. And uh, it would have been a little bit redundant, I guess, if I would have went all through Psalms and read all the verses of thanksgiving and thankfulness. So anyway, God, God is certainly to be thanked. We, um, if we just stop and think, where we would be were it not for God's mercy, were it not for God's creation, were it not for God's love upon us, <clears throat> where would we be? Where would you be were it not for God's mercy? I wouldn't be here, that's for sure. <clears throat> and also, as I thought about that, thankfulness is such a remedy for the human calamity. No matter what you're facing, it's it's just such a remedy. The thankful heart, the thankful heart cannot despise. Think about that. If you are thankful for something, you do not despise it. You do not waste it. You do not throw it away. If you're thankful for something... It's precious to you. You hang on to it. You, you, you care for it. Uh, the most vivid picture of that that just comes to my mind, yesterday around lunchtime, I was going to the house for lunch, and I, so I decided to walk out and get the mail. And, uh, and a really nice late model pickup comes coming down a dogwood, and he stops right in the middle of the road, right even with where, right behind our house. He stops in the middle of the road, puts his brakes on, 
and slowly starts decelerating until both of the the back wheels were spinning. Somehow, either he unhooked the brakes in the back, but he sat there in this beautiful truck with probably pretty brand new tires and just smoked the tires until there was a cloud of smoke. Oh, it was a huge old cloud of tire smoke. And then he let off and he just floored it and he took off down the road making big old S curves and swung over into the gravel and spinning gravel and just acting the fool. And I'm like, boy, he don't appreciate his truck, does he? And I don't know, I mean, I don't know who it was and I don't know the year models or whatever, but it looked like a pretty nice truck. Probably one his dad gave him for his birthday and he certainly didn't. And I was just, it just struck me how, how wasteful people can be for something beautiful and something useful if they're not thankful for it. That man had to work for it and pay for his own tires and his own fuel and his own truck. He probably wouldn't have done that. I, I don't know. I don't know what the situation was. Either he was just, I, I, I don't know, but he certainly wasn't thankful for his pickup. Let me just put it that way. And we said, well, that was kind of funny and kind of foolish and kind of just young boy stuff, maybe. But think about the things that we throw away sometimes because we're just not thankful for it. Relationships, many other things. We so lightly despise it if we're not truly thankful for it. Anyway, it's just a side note. Turn in your Bibles to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians was written by Paul to the church there at Colossae. And it sounds like Paul had never even been there. It was a church that was founded by, uh, by one of Paul's good, good brothers. Um, if I can say his name, Epaphras, Epaphras, something like that. And he had gone there and had founded this little fellowship there. Uh, There were mostly Gentile believers that had gotten born again. And uh, Paul was writing this letter to the church at Colossae. Not having been there. Never having seen these brothers and sisters. Never having... Uh, experienced first-hand fellowship with them, knowing that this is a first-generation Christian group, and most of them were Gentile Christians that had just gotten born again, knowing the struggles that those kind of Christians go through, knowing the things, obviously, that they were facing and whatever, but listen to this, this book that, Paul wrote to these people. Chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, and Timotheus, our brother, to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ, which are at Colossae, grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and, and the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. Just ponder that. How beautiful a picture that is. Here is Paul. And he'd never even seen these brothers and sisters. 
But he says, we give thanks to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. They were so thankful for these first-generation Christians that had come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ that he says, we're praying for you always, and our heart just overflows with thanksgiving to God for you. And we have trouble doing that for each other, and we know each other personally sometimes. Can any of us honestly say that we are always praying and thanking God for each other? Can you say that, brother? I can't say that. That I am always thanking God for all of you. I I mean, I, I thank God for the church and I thank God for the brothers and sisters, but I can't honestly say that I'm always doing that. And it's such a burden and such a passion on my heart But it was for Paul. What a remedy for a weary pastor. What a remedy for a pastor, for for a missionary pastor like Paul that was probably in prison at this time. What a remedy for his calamities in his own heart to just always be praying and thanking God for these people. Were they perfect? Were they better than any other Christians in any other churches? Probably not. If you read the history and you read the rest of the book, these men were facing some pretty serious calamities in their life. And Paul's just thanking God for these faithful brothers. Oh, thank God for them. And he did something for the church at Colossians, but I think he did more for Paul. And as we grow weary and we're overcome with, with the issues of life and we sometimes get burdened down and we are, are tempted to be frustrated and we're tempted to be kind of like, oh yeah, I know him. Maybe we should try this. Maybe we should just start giving thanks to God always for this certain person that we are struggling with. Maybe it would help us kind of smooth out some little bumps in the road there. Verse 4, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love which ye have to all the saints, to all saints, all the saints, for the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, whereof we heard before in in the word of the truth of the gospel which is come unto you, as it is in all the world, and bringeth forth fruit as it doeth also in you since the day ye heard of it, and knew the grace of God in truth. As ye also learned of Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is for you a faithful minister of Christ, who also declared unto us your love in the Spirit. It's just another reminder there. It's this kind of second-hand information that if Paul wasn't actually there, he didn't actually know these people personally. Verse 9, for this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that ye might be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. That is such a beautiful picture. 
such a beautiful prayer to pray for each other and for other Christians around the globe. I also found that verse from verse 9 through 23 was actually set into a hymn that they sang. It was kind of considered a, a, a song of uh, prayer for each other. I've not been, I wasn't able to find the music to it, but there was a mention made of this hymn, verses 9 through 23, in my studies. <clears throat> Strengthen, verse 11, Strengthen with all might, according to his glorious power, unto all patience and longsuffering with joyfulness. Giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet or fit to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. Paul knew. Paul knew that these were human Gentiles turned Christian. He knew there was issues in their life. But he also knew that the power of God was greater than the power of this world. Later we'll read about some of the, uh, the some of the the uh, the bad doctrines that were floating around in Colossae, and we just know we just know they must have faced all kinds of issues. But this is what Paul was saying to them: giving thanks unto the Father, which has made us fit to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints of light. He must have believed there was a spark of hope. There was hope for the church at Colossae. Were they perfect? No, but there was hope for them. There was a, there was a fire burning. There was a faith growing that would come to fruition in many of their lives. Who hath delivered us from the powers of power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sin. And he's writing this as if this is present tense, and it's plural, it's all of us together. It's a beautiful picture. Who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature? For by him were all things created that are in heaven, that are in the earth, in earth, visible and invisible, whether there be thrones or dominions or principalities, or powers, all things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. <clears throat> Just reading over this, I came across this this book in my own personal reading here recently and I was just so thrilled when I just go down through here and again remind ourselves of these things that Christ is preeminent <clears throat> it did me good just to read this and if I if if some if some pastor brother missionary from another state that had never met me would have written me a letter like this what would that have done to you and I? <clears throat> How much more <clears throat> if we were to maybe write each other a letter like this? <laughs> it's just such an encouraging letter. 
Verse 19, For it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell, and having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself. By him I say, whether there be things in earth or things in heaven, and you that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. If ye continue in the faith, grounded and settled, and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel, which ye have heard and which was preached to every creature which is under heaven, whereof I, Paul, am made a minister. <clears throat> I can only imagine the Sunday morning when they got together and they read this handwritten letter from Brother Paul which is a friend of our our minister that came and started this church, is a friend of his that we have never met, but he sends us this letter. Wouldn't that just inspire us to be faithful? <clears throat> well, really, in a sense, we have that because we've never met Paul, and he wrote this letter. And at the end of the book, it says, and share this with the other churches. So here we have it. <laughs> Such an exciting passage here. Verse 24, who now, re who now rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up that which is behind of the afflictions of Christ in my body for his body's sake which is the church, whereof I am made a minister according to the dispensation of God, which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of God, even the mystery which hath been hid from ages, from generations, but now is made manifest to his saints, to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of his mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory." whom we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus, whereunto I also labor, striving according to his working, which worketh in me mightily. <clears throat> you know, we read these verses, and it, and it means a lot to us, but it would mean a lot more to us had we, had we recently been Gentiles with no hope. You know, you've, you, you've come, you come in contact with God's people and they have this, this separation. You know, you're a Gentile and we're, we're uh, God's people. We're God's chosen people. You can't get where we are. <laughs> we have something you can't have is basically the thought that was given to many of the Gentiles. And now here comes... Paul and his cohorts, and they're preaching a gospel that works for the Gentiles. <clears throat> Strengthened with all might. <clears throat> for a Gentile that had no strength of his own, had no hope for the future. In verse 11, there Paul says, Strengthened with all might according to his glorious power unto all patience and longsuffering and joyfulness. 
that a Gentile could have true joy. <laughs> That's just amazing. <clears throat> Chapter 2. For I would that ye knew what great conflict I have for you for them at, and for them at Laodicea. For as many as have not seen my face in the flesh, that their hearts might be comforted, being knit together in love unto all riches of the full assurance of understanding, to the acknowledgement of the mystery of God and the Father and of Christ, in whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Verse 4, And this I say, lest any man should beguile you with enticing words, for though I be absent in the flesh, yet I am with you in the spirit, joying and beholding your order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ, as ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. <clears throat> Rooted and built up in him, established in the faith, as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. <clears throat> it's just such a beautiful picture. And I think it did Paul's heart a lot of good to write this letter. And that he could honestly say these things. <clears throat> Verse 8. Beware, lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the traditions of men, after the rudiments of the world, not after Christ. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. <clears throat> I'm sure that you know, there was a, a situation there where there was some, in verse 18 we'll read about, there was some worshiping of the angels and some other false doctrines and things floating around there in Colossae. <clears throat> but just to, just to hear Paul expound on this, that, that in verse 9, For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Just ponder that for a minute. And what does that mean to us? What does that mean to you personally? And ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. <clears throat> Verse 11. In whom also ye are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands in the putting off the body of sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, buried with him in baptism, wherein also you are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God who hath raised him from the dead, and you being dead in your sin and the uncircumcision of your flesh hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses." blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross, and having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. Let no man judge, therefore judge you in meat or in drink or in the respect of a holy day or in the new moon or the Sabbath days, which are the shadow of things to come, but the body is of Christ. And these verses would make a lot more sense to us if we lived in that dispensation of time when the Pharisees were there and all of the things that they, and they had and, and enacted 
In other words, their program just so completely separated them from the Gentiles. It was so unachievable for the Gentile. And the Pharisees kept adding to that and adding to it and to to make... Yeah, I don't understand all that, but it was just almost, it was, it was almost as if they were trying to make it impossible for the heathen Gentiles to ever enter into the kingdom. <clears throat> and here Paul is blotting out some of those things just to get their eyes on Jesus and to know that they are complete in him. And then, verse 18, Let no man beguile you of your reward in a voluntary humility and worshiping of angels, intruding into those things which he hath not, he hath not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind, and not holding the head from which all the body by joints and bands, having nourishment ministered and knit together, increased with the increase of God. <clears throat> Wherefore, if ye be dead with Christ from the rudiments of the world, why, as though living in the world, are ye subject to ordinances, touch not, taste not, handle not, which all are to perish with the using after the commandments and doctrines of men? And I think exactly what Paul was talking about was a lot of those things that the Pharisees had had lorded over other people. For instance, like they had they had this thing about... Uh, on the Sabbath day, you could only walk so many, so many, uh, you could only drift so far from home. Okay, you could only travel so far because it's the Sabbath day. God never said that. The Pharisees did. But then they came up with this conclusion that, okay, wherever you sit down to eat something, that's your home. So then if a Pharisee wanted to travel a little farther than what their law actually allowed them to, they would take a little bag of some food and they would go as far as they could. They'd sit down in the ditch and eat their food and now they're at home and so now they can go another Sabbath day's journey. That's the kind of thing Paul was talking about. And those were the kind of things that some of these Pharisee people were trying to bring, you know, to lord over people to keep the Gentiles from becoming godly people, basically. I don't understand all that, but nevertheless, Paul in his beautiful way tried to get these Gentile believers to understand that they are complete in Christ. And they don't have to worry about some of those other things that were just added to. Verse 23, which things have indeed a show of wisdom and will worship and humility and neglecting of the body, not in honor, in any honor to the satisfying of the flesh. Chapter 3. If then, if ye then be risen with Christ, So you have died with Christ, and now you are risen with Christ. Seek those things which are above. Where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God, set your affections on things above, not on things of the earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, 
shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Such a beautiful picture that rises so much higher than this thing about carrying a little bag of food on the Sabbath day so you could make it back home again if you had to go visit Aunt Gertie that was sick. Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry. And that was the thing with the Pharisees' program that they didn't affect a lot of these issues that were real for God's people. Covetousness and idolatry, inordinate affections. You could make sure that you only traveled a certain distance on the Sabbath and was as covetous as could be And their law did nothing for that. And I think that's the thing here that Paul is trying to raise up so beautiful and high for those that are are complete in Christ. There's a change in the heart. And there's a beauty that if we are dead in Christ and are risen with Christ, we can set our affections on things above and not on things of the earth. And somehow, even though we live in this world and we need to go do things And we need to get there and need to get back. And somehow our jar of water like we had in the children's class and the world is pouring in over us and somehow there's a separation there. There's a separation. There's a mortifying of your members which are upon the earth. Fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection. Those things kind of run over us and they bounce off and they just float back off again because we're somehow... With, with putting on of Christ and putting off of the old man, there's a, there's a uh, protection there that's so far uh, supersedes what the Pharisees had at that day. Verse 5, Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth. I read that. Verse 6, For which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience. In the which ye also walked sometimes when ye lived in them, but now ye also put off all these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another, seeing that ye have put off the old man from with his deeds, and have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. Where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond nor free, but Christ is all and in all. Such a beautiful picture. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another, forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. That's easy when you're thankful. It's easy when you're thankful for the person that you have this quarrel with. If you value that person, 
If you value that person and that person is dear to you and there's, there's a bond between you and, and you really appreciate this person and there's a quarrel, you just kind of get over it. You, somehow you work it out. You just, like, brother, we need to talk. I'm having this feeling, but I care about you, and I'm thankful for you, and I want this to go away. I, I don't. I can't stand this between us. I, I'm. You know, that's how you do when you're thankful for somebody. But if you if you don't really care about the person, you just say, well, "Yeah, yeah." I wish he'd kind of meander on down the road. Why don't you go to church over there? We don't need you here. You see the difference. And I think that is one of the things that God in so so beautifully in his plan and the scripture is loaded with thanksgiving. And I think that is the antidote to many of the issues of the human race. That man's truck would have fared a lot better if he was thankful for it than he did if he just had it. Verse 14, and above all things, put on charity. On top of that, put on charity. Put on love. You can't, you can't, put, on, you can't put love on something if, you, if you're not thankful for it. Which is the bond of perfectness and let the peace of God rule in your hearts to the which also ye are called in one body, and be ye thankful. You see the connection between thankfulness? Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. If you're thankful and you've covered it with charity, and you've, you have forbearing with one another, you've gotten over your quarrel, there's a song of a singing, a song of grace that just boils out of that. You can't help it hardly. And he says, admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts unto the Lord. <clears throat> one thing that I noticed in the Old Testament Back in Chronicles, there was, um, you know, and I'm not sure how to go there with all this, but there were actually teams of people designed just to give thanks. Like 800 people or 1,000 people were set aside here to, you stand over here on the side and you sing and give thanks. And in, uh, and in one reference, it was like they were giving thanks with the harp. So they were playing music, giving thanks. Somehow, I didn't understand all that, but I, I was just so blessed with even, even in that dispensation of time, there was such a emphasis put on giving of thanks that there were people actually hired just to do that. I mean, it would be like us having a team that would stand over on the side here and just glory, glory, thank you, Jesus, all day long. Uh, It's a little bit out of character for our our setting, but it's 
just reminds us how important that it was to those kings and those people in that day that there would be somebody giving thanks. Even though we don't have time to all do that, but we have a team that's set aside over here to do that. Anyway, where were we at? Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your heart to the Lord. And whatsoever ye do in word and deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. That means when you're pouring concrete, you're thanking God that you have a job and you're going to do this as if you were doing it for the Lord Jesus and you're going to do a good job, right? Is that what that means? Whatsoever ye do in word or deed, that's like whatever you say or whatever you do. <clears throat> I found that, you know, I mean, we work and we build houses and we... But it helps, it helps before you go to work, before you get started, before anything else. You get down on your knees and you thank God you have a job and you thank God that you can, you can do this and that you have the health and the strength and the wisdom to do it and you tell God you're going to do the best that you can for him. Yeah. It just goes better. You can do a better job. You can, you can do it with more enthusiasm. You can do it, you can just, it just comes out better at the end of the day if you do it because you're thankful that you get to do it and you ask God to give you the wisdom and the strength and the skill to do this as unto him. <clears throat> There's been days when I've, kind of forget that, you know, and, and I just mess up something so bad. I just, I just look around and nobody's looking. I'll go off to a closet somewhere, close the door and say, God, thank you for this job and help me to do a good job. And it, it, it makes a difference, brothers. It, this, is, this works. This works in real life. Whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Verse 18, wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as is fit in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and not be bitter and be not bitter against them. Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. Fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. Such a beautiful little passage right here in the middle of all this just dealing with human relationships. A little bit of love and respect, a little bit of honor, and a little bit of care. Just, Just a little touch goes such a long ways in making it work. Servants obey in all things your masters according to the flesh. Not with eye service as men pleasers, but in singleness of heart, fearing God. Whatsoever ye do, do it heartily as unto the Lord and not unto men. I think if we keep that in mind, whatever we do, 
Whatever our hand finds to do, we do it with all our might. We give it all we have. You know, it's easy to be slothful. It's easy to do a halfway job. It's easy to do kind of shoddy work if you're not thankful for it. Right? If you're thankful that you have dishes to wash, you'll wash them different than you do if you don't have, if you're not thankful for it. Whatsoever you do, do it heartily as unto to the Lord and not unto men, knowing that of the Lord ye shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for ye serve the Lord Christ. And he that doeth wrong shall receive for the wrong which he hath done, and there is no respect of persons. <clears throat> Chapter 4. Masters, give unto your servants that which is just and equal. Know that ye also have a master in heaven. Continue in prayer. Watch in the same with thanksgiving. Continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving. There's that thanksgiving again. It just pops up. If you start looking for the word thankful, thanksgiving, thanks in the scripture, as you read through the scriptures, it'll just pop out at you time and time and time again. It's just amazing when you start looking for that. It's just there. It's almost, it's just there around every corner, it seems like. With all praying also for us that God would open unto us a door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ, which for which I am also in bonds. And that tells me that Paul was probably in prison at the time that he wrote this. that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak, walk in wisdom, travel, walk in wisdom toward them that are without redeeming the time. Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that ye may know how ye ought to answer every man. All my state shall Tychius declare unto you, who is a beloved brother and a faithful minister and a fellow servant in the Lord, whom I have sent unto you for the same purpose, that he might know your estate and comfort your hearts. With Onesimus, a faithful and beloved brother, who is one of you, they shall make known unto you all things which are done here. You know, looking back on this, it's just sad that God didn't allow Paul to actually go there in person. I think it would have just been such a blessing for the church there. But somehow, him being, obviously being in bonds or in prison, then he sent this letter by someone else. I'm not sure if I can pronounce all these names, but I'll try it. Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, saluteth you, and Marcus, sister's son, Barnabas, touching whom ye receive commandments, if he come unto you, receive him. And Jesus, which is called Justice, who are, who are of the circumcision, these are 
These only are my fellow workers unto the kingdom of God, which have been a comfort unto me. Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ, saluteth you, always laboring fervently for you in prayers, that ye may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. For I bear him record that he hath a great zeal for you and them that are in in Laodicea and them in Hyrapolis. Luke, the beloved physician, and Demas greet you. Salute the brethren which are Laodicea and Nymus, Nyphus, and the church which is in his house. And when this epistle is read among you, cause that it be read also in the church of the Laodiceans, that ye likewise read the epistle from Laodicea, and say to Archippus, Take heed to the ministry which you have received in the Lord, that ye fulfill it. The salutation by my hand, by the hand of me, Paul, remember my bonds. Grace be with you, amen. <clears throat> There's so much in those chapters. We could talk for another 30 minutes. But I think I'll just leave you with that. And uh, you may want to sometime read over those verses again, those chapters. And as we are discouraged, remember that um, we're not the first to face hard times. And with a thankful heart, we can probably make it. And God bless you.